0: Well, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 8, we are continuing in our series in the Gospel of Matthew, and this morning we are moving into a new chapter. This section in Matthew 8 that we are looking at this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4, but this section really is is tied together through verse 17, but I want to take this in in smaller bites. So if you would look in chapter 8 with me, verse 1, Matthew writes, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Well, Father, we... Once again, come to sit before your word, confident that you are present, that you are here by your spirit to meet us, to instruct us, to transform us. And we ask this morning that through your word, you would refresh every person here. You would encourage every person here. You would challenge every person here through the ministry of your word by the working of the Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that you would glorify your name as we speak about you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, starting with his introduction, Matthew, in the very beginning in chapter 1, affirms Jesus' royal heritage that Jesus descended from kings, that he was a threat to another king named Herod, that he was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies about the coming king, demonstrating his divine authority over Satan and his rulership of this world. He came Jesus came in power over sin and sickness. And on that mountain as he gave the sermon on the mount, he alone spoke with the authority of a king as as Devin so well taught us last week. And now beginning in chapter 8, it's not in word that we will see And experience Jesus' authority, it will be in his works, in his power, which will be on full display through healing and deliverance, salvation, and even over nature. Now, three miracles open this chapter with three people whose lives are transformed by Christ: a leper, a gentile who is a centurion, whose servant is paralyzed, a woman. Peter's mother-in-law, who is ill. And these three people who Jesus first encounters in Matthew's, Matthew's Gospel, these are people who are not just the normal folks in the Jewish culture, the Jewish community. These are three people who are disadvantaged and in many ways outcasts in society. Matthew focuses not so much on the miracles, as we will see, but he focuses on Jesus' authority as the Messiah who has power, who has authority over sickness and over sin and over Satan. And he focuses on the kind of people who experience these miracles. A leper, a centurion, Gentile, and a woman who was on the, the lower level in Jewish society. These are the marginalized people. And most of all, Matthew begins with the one who is the greatest outcast, a leper. As he makes his way down through the mountain, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Now, in 5.1, when Jesus went up the mountain, it said that crowds followed him. And now we see in 8.1, we see great crowds following Jesus down the mountain. How great that crowd must have been. In chapter 4, we read about Jesus healing those who came to him who were sick and who were demon-possessed. And it says that his fame spread. And then on the mountain, we know it was more than his disciples. He is surrounded by crowds. But now, Matthew notes, it's, there's a great crowd following after Jesus. And as Jesus makes his way down the mountain, as he, he comes down from the mountain, and these great crowds are around him, he is, he's being pressed and he's being jostled. And it's a, it's a chaotic scene that he is facing. And yet, even in the midst of all of this chaos, all of this crowd of people, this throng of people pressing in together, he still ministers to one desperate man, a man who is cursed, a man who needs cleansing, a man who needs a savior to extend mercy to him. Three points to help us understand what has happened in this first amazing miracle. The title of my message is A Curse, A Cleansing, and the Mercy of Christ. And in the first point, we see the curse. Matthew immediately gets our attention in verse 2, And behold! And so he he immediately wants the reader, he immediately wants those who are reading his gospel to to behold, to, to see what is about to happen. And he's telling this story, and behold, followed by what can only be described as a shocking and horrifying moment as the crowd suddenly, this great crowd suddenly begins to part because a leper has come among them. Now, a leper, by Jewish law, is required to never come near others because of his uncleanness and his disease, because of the fear of how contagious leprosy is. And so when this leper appears, you can only imagine the crowd parting like the Red Sea. He is is one who is supposed to shout loudly, Unclean! unclean as he walks near people but covered with sores and his body deformed, wearing torn clothes to denote his uncleanness, his mouth and face covered. And suddenly, among this great crowd, this leper suddenly appears. And yet, and with shocking Boldness. He comes within inches of Jesus falling at his feet. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. You can only imagine what those in the crowd must have thought. They all knew what leprosy was, they all knew. They understood who a leper is. Just imagine that moment. If you were there, and you're standing there and you're, you're hearing about this great teacher who has such authority, well past what the scribes and Pharisees had, who actually had no authority. And they've heard about Jesus' miracles, the healings that he has done. And they're wanting to get close to him. They're, they're pressing in. In many ways, and this isn't what Jesus wanted, he's a celebrity and people want to draw near. And then this leper shows up and everyone just backs away, fearful. It is, it is unthinkable for this leper has violated every Jewish and social law by approaching the Savior. Now there's no record of him shouting unclean or, or keeping an appropriate social distance. There's no no record of that. He just makes his way to Jesus. And no doubt, everyone but Jesus is appalled. And this leper covered with sores and deformities all over his repulsive body comes right up to him. He is repulsive. And he is dangerous. But he's also desperate. He's desperate enough to defy The law written in Leviticus 13. The law of Moses in Leviticus 13 reads, He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. His disease is on his head. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp, outside the community of God's people. Now understand, in leprosy in ancient Israel was a horrible incurable disease that was greatly feared because it was a death sentence in every sense of the word physically and spiritually and socially for the for the leper it meant to him total isolation from everyone from family and friends and society never again being among God's people because of his uncleanness and it is a disease especially in ancient Israel, and, and in many ways now, that spiritually and vividly represents the sinfulness of man. To be a leper was interpreted by being cursed by God. The Jews abhorred this disease, not only because of its illness, but because it made the sufferer and all who came in contact with him defiled or unclean. In Israel, to be unclean meant you were covered in sin. You were unholy. You were separated from God and God's community. In Numbers 12, verse 10, Miriam, Moses' sister, has sinned. And the Lord descends upon her in a cloud. And when the cloud lifts, she is leprous. She is white as snow. And as a result of her leprosy and her sin, she is put outside the camp for seven days as part of her discipline, a part of her punishment. But for the leper in Jesus' day, it was far more tragic and serious. But this leper doesn't care about Levitical law. All he cares about is, I know who Jesus is. He's heard about Jesus most likely from what happened in chapter 4. He might even have been in the crowd way from a distance listening to the Sermon on the Mount, listening and observing the authority in Jesus' words and aware that he has healed others. And so he, he comes to Jesus with a faith, a faith that believes he can be cleansed. He, he has an astonishing confidence in Jesus' power, especially in light of the Jewish belief that there really was no cure for leprosy. In, in 2 Kings 5-7, Naaman the Syrian is covered in leprosy, and he is sent to the king of Israel for the king of Israel to provide a healing for him, a cleansing for him. And the king of Israel says, I I can't heal him any more than I can raise the dead. In other words, to be healed of leprosy is tantamount to being raised from the dead. In other words, it is incurable. It is a death sentence. And that's what this man has. And yet he knows. He knows Jesus can take away this curse. The curse, the curse that this man suffers under, the curse of sin, the curse that came upon humanity when Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden against God's law, the curse that that has infected and affected every person ever born. And this man is believing that Jesus can take away this curse. And as we see, actually, at the end of this section in verse 17, Matthew quotes Isaiah, Isaiah 53. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This passage in Isaiah 53 and in 8.17 is not a promise of perfect health. That is a false teaching in Christianity that, oh, every disease and every illness I have will be taken away immediately by Jesus. No, it is not a promise that if you have just enough faith, you'll always be healed, or if you claim your healing, that you will, you will be healed. It is about the atoning sacrificial work of Jesus to take our sin away—that's what Isaiah 53 is all about, and that is what Matthew is quoting here. The very description of who Jesus is—he gives us in the opening of his chapter. He came to save people from their sin. Jesus came to take the curse upon Himself, and so that is what—that is what this this story tells us at the very beginning that there is a curse and this man has that curse upon him. And that curse in this regard is called leprosy. But the greater curse that we have to recognize and that we see is the curse of sin that has separated us from God and has ruined all of humanity. But then it doesn't stop here. And behold, the leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, in verse 3, it goes on, falling at Jesus' feet, this guy, he knows, he knows he can be cleansed. He says, if you are willing, if you are willing. Now, even though this, this leper is not a theologian, he still understood the sovereignty of God. He still understood the providential working of God, and he accepted the sovereign purpose of God. He came in faith asking but clear that if if God did not heal him, he understood. If you are willing, he trusted the Lord. He trusted the Lord to heal him, but he knew that the Lord may not. He didn't come claiming healing, but in humility he looked to God's providential care and working regardless of what the outcome would be. And notice what the leper asked Jesus. He does not ask to be healed. He asks to be cleansed. He is well aware of his defilement. And oh, doesn't sin defile us? He understands the curse he is under because that is the curse we are under. He understands how his leprosy is a vivid reminder of human sin. He understands in some small way his need for a Savior, and it is why he comes to Jesus. And it's the response that is astonishing. It is astonishing that this leper shows up in the middle of a crowd. It is astonishing that this leper has the boldness to go and stand and then kneel before the Savior. It is astonishing that he believes he can be healed. But what is more astonishing is what we read next. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will. Be clean. What a clear picture of the gospel. What, what, a, what a wonderful description of the gospel. I will, says the Lord. When we come to him, he turns no one away. I will, says the Lord. And be clean. But look what he does first. He, see, he wasn't just healed from his, his leprosy, but from all the stigma that this disease brings. His uncleanness was removed just as our sin is removed when we come to Christ. Removed by Jesus' suffering and his death and his resurrection. Only Jesus, the sinless son of God, could take this man's defilement away from him. Only Jesus can and still reverse the effects of sin that ruins every one of us. And like this leper, we too needed to be cleansed from our sin. Jesus not only cleansed him physically, but he restored him spiritually and emotionally and socially. He restored this man back to his family and back to his synagogue and his friends and society in general. And in a, it, is, it is an amazing moment in, in this story. In a surprising twist, Jesus tells him in, in verse 4 see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, you think about that. He is, he is surrounded by great crowds. He has just healed a man of leprosy. And he tells this man, don't tell anyone. As though the crowd around him is not going to say anything. Don't tell anyone now there are reasons why he he doesn't want Jesus doesn't want to be viewed as just a miracle worker and he doesn't want his ministry hindered by the crush of crowds that will come when they hear about this and and that's exactly what happened in mark's account of this story that it says that Jesus' ministry was hindered. But what is most important is that he doesn't want the man distracted from obeying the law in Leviticus 14, which describes what a leper must do if he is cleansed. You know, in Matthew five seventeen, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So after cleansing this man, he immediately tells him to go and Go to the priest, and it was, it was a trip to Jerusalem. They were outside of Capernaum, but he says you need to go to the priest, to the temple, where you are to offer a sacrifice, where you are to show yourself to the priest so that there is proof that you are, you are cleansed. By obeying this law, this man's life would be now validated once again as a clean person by the priest. So Jesus does not want him distracted from obeying the law. He wants him restored. And this is what the law and this priest is going to do. It was only going to the priest that this man could be fully and legally returned to the life he once had to his family and to his friends and to the synagogue and and to just society in general. But there's there's even more to this passage than the cleansing. There is the mercy of Christ. Look at 8.3. And in 8.2, the leper says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus didn't speak. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Not intimidated. Intimidated or fearful of the leper, Jesus' immediate response was, was not with word, but with an action that literally stunned the crowd. He touched a leper. He held out his hand, and he touched a leper. That touch spoke To this man, more than any words Jesus would have said. In, In the late 80s and early 90s, AIDS was, the disease AIDS was at its peak. And the fear that came with people who were diagnosed with AIDS, the fear of the community around them, it was the leprosy of our day. And I remember getting a call. I was living in Atlanta at the time. And I remember getting a call from a man asking, would I come and pray for him? He was dying of AIDS. He just picked our church out of a phone book and just called and said, would I come and pray for him? And I remember the struggle I faced, the fear that I initially had at that moment. Being in the same room with a man with AIDS, touching a man with AIDS. There was so little known about that disease at the time. And there was such an ostracization of people who were, anybody who had AIDS was an outcast in society. They were the lepers in that time. But the Lord had me go. And I remember with, with, with some fear, praying for him, taking his hand in mine, and praying for him. There was no reluctance in Jesus. There was no fear in Jesus. He did the unthinkable. He touched a leper. He, to the scribes and Pharisees, he broke Levitical law. At that moment, he became defiled and unclean at that moment. Now, Jesus didn't have to touch him to heal him. We see him heal with a word when he heals the centurion's paralyzed servant in the the following verses. He could have spoken a word to the leper be clean. And he could have done it from a distance, and that would have been sufficient. Yet Jesus, the undefiled one, out of compassion and mercy, touches the defiled one, shocking the crowd. In the eyes of the scribes and Pharisees, the law was broken. He was now defiled, but Jesus could never be defiled. He could only cleanse those who were. So I believe his touch had much greater impact than his words. His touch made it clear that he was not concerned about what others thought. He was not concerned about what catching this disease. All he was concerned about was this man's needs, just as he is concerned about our needs. This outcast who had been separated from his family unable to hug his wife and children, living a life of loneliness and isolation, and and, and having a crushed soul, was transformed by Christ's compassion. Listen, Jesus came to restore souls. And with this staggering and stunning gesture, this leper's life is transformed. He is immediately cleansed. I will be clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, can you imagine standing there at a distance, fearful of this man, listening and watching what is happening, and you see this man covered in sores, repulsive deformities all over his skin, weeping and his hair long and ragged clothes, and the moment Jesus touches him and says, I will be clean, it all disappears. Right there. His skin is pure. His skin is cleansed. There's no remnant of disease. Oh, isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news? The moment we come to Christ, he says, I will be clean. And immediately we are cleansed. We are restored. We are made whole. We are, we've are we become the righteousness of God in Christ. What a picture of the gospel this is. What a picture and demonstration of Christ's compassion and divine power over sickness and sin. But brothers and sisters, Matthew does not want us left just being astonished by the leper being healed. No, he he wants us astonished by the healer himself. Later in this chapter, after Jesus calms a storm, his disciples ask with awe and wonder, who is this man? Matthew poses the same kind of question to us here. Who is this Jesus who teaches with such authority? Who is this Jesus who heals the incurable? Who is this Jesus who touches the untouchable? Who is this Jesus who treats the outcast and marginalized and disadvantaged with such tenderness and acceptance? Oh, it is is the one who came in human flesh to live in our world, to bear our sin, who came to save us from our sins. This is who he is. And the question maybe for some of you is, is this who he is to you? Are you a spiritual leper in need of cleansing? Are you in need of Christ's saving grace? This story exists for all of us for us as Christians to learn about Christ's compassion and Christ's authority and Christ's care. But for those of you who may not be a Christian, this story is for you to learn that Christ can cleanse you. He will save you if you come to him. I will be clean, he says. And that's how we close. Who is Christ to you? Father, thank you that you have shown many, if not most of us, who Christ is. Through your regenerating and saving work, you have opened our eyes to the good news. Father, we are so grateful. And for those who are here right now who may not know you, I ask that you'd open their eyes, that they could come to you and ask that you might say, I will, and that they would be clean in Christ's name.